always scares me. You ever wonder what preachers say when they're up here on the platform, when they're talking, they're sort of giggling back, they're looking at you. No, I'm just kidding, amen. Um, Caleb, I'm standing up here, and Caleb comes walking up next to me, and he says, you know, you make me feel tall. I just want to know he makes me good looking, amen. That's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. I enjoy him. He's quite a character. And uh, Pastor, do you banner back and forth with him? Be careful because you'll lose, amen. I'm just saying, amen. <laughs> yeah, our, our sons, uh, our son-in-laws, uh, Matthew and Mark, I told them when they married my daughters, I just want you to understand something, boys. I'm Mike. I am the big M. You are the little M, so don't forget it, amen. And uh, praise the Lord for uh, good son-in-laws in the ministry and uh, daughters who have followed them and grandchildren who are saved. Boy, I tell you, God's good. It's, it's good to serve the Lord, Amen. It is good to serve the Lord, regardless if you're just a member of the local church serving him, or if you're out on the road full-time, or if you're pastoring a church, or in some other ministry, uh, church building, or some other ministry God has called you into, jail ministry, whatever. It's good to serve the Lord, amen? No matter where you're at, it's good to serve the Lord. You won't get any better, you won't get any better time in your life than when you're serving the Lord. I'm not preaching on that tonight. I want to. I want you to go with me to the book of Jeremiah this evening. I know you're getting ready to start revival meetings. Jeremiah 17. You're getting ready to start revival meetings in a uh, in a few weeks with Brother Svatsky and a good friend of ours, and and met him out here at your church years ago when he was your associate pastor, and and uh, we just uh, have begun to enjoy each other's. Uh, he's not far from my kids in Michigan, so I get to see him every now and then when I'm up there in the area. And I uh, got to hear your pastor preach to the men up this year. Can't tell you what he preached to them because I was there on that Saturday, Pastor. I don't even know what your message was that day, but I enjoyed the, f- I just want to tell you, I enjoyed the food that day, amen. It had nothing to do with the preach. I enjoyed the food. And uh, no, it was a good day. We had a good time, amen. Now here in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17, would you stand with me as we read? And I want to speak to you on the subject tonight of revival, of revival, and um, if I was to ask you this question here this evening, do you, do you really want to have revival this next, uh, in three weeks? Do you really want it? And let me encourage you, start spending some time in prayer. Because without prayer, you're not going to have it. You will not. You need to start seeking God's face right now, amen, and seeking with God. I can always tell when I come into a church, a church that has been prayed up for revival meetings. There's a whole different, a whole different spirit, a whole different uh, idea, a whole different you know, boy, the Lord, you can just tell God's just in it, amen. And uh, I've been to some churches where you can tell where they don't pray at all, Pastor Shop, and, uh, until you get there, then it's a very haphazard type prayer. There's not time spent in prayer for the meetings. I can remember in my home church doing 24-hour prayer meeting before a revival meeting started, you know, and we'd have people that would take turns uh, praying throughout the day and throughout the night. Uh, take 15 or 20 minute slots or half hour slots. And, and uh, sometimes uh, some churches, they do it where people will take an hour slot. I don't know if I can pray an hour. I'll tell you about that in a few minutes. Amen. Uh, but here in this text in, in Jeremiah 17, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altars. Will their children remember their altars and the groves by the green trees upon the high hills? By the way, he's saying, what are their kids going to remember? What are their children going to remember in the future? They're going to remember where they were worshiping these idols, the groves and the green trees. In these hills, were they going to, is that what they're going to remember? Can I ask you a question? What were your, what were your children remember about you? Amen. 
What will your family remember about you? What will your, what will your relatives remember about you? What will your neighbors remember about you when you're, when you're gone? Well, that ought to be a reminder to us to wake us up. Amen? It ought to wake us up. He says there in verse uh, uh, 3, O my mountain in the field, that's Israel, I will give thy substance and all thy treasures to the spoil and the high places for sin throughout all thy borders. And thou, even thyself, shall discontinue from thine heritage that I gave thee, and I will cause thee to, to serve thine enemies in the land which thou knowest not, for ye have kindled a fire in mine anger which shall burn forever. And of course, Jeremiah is writing to them here in this book about the 70-year captivity getting ready to start, and he's warning them about what is going to happen, what is going to happen. Someone said, do you think if Israel would have repented that God would have withheld that from him? Well, he did for, he did for uh, uh, Jonah, did he not? Amen. Uh, when he went into Nineveh preaching the word of God and, and Nineveh repented and, and God withdrew what he was going to do, I think he would have done the same thing for Israel. Amen? I think he would have done the same thing if they would have repented and come back to God where he wanted them to be. Now let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time this evening. God, I pray that you'd have all the honor and the glory now. Help us, Father. Help me. Help us to receive your word with gladness and joy and, and to receive what you'd have for each one of us that you might be glorified and lifted up upon I now in Jesus. Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. As I begin this evening, I want to, this thought of revival, and I want to look down at verse 5 and verse 6 tonight for a few moments where he makes this statement, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth a man and make a flesh his arm and whose heart departed from the Lord. Number one, I've only got two points this evening, all right? I have a lot of stuff underneath, but I've only got two points. The first point is this, without a revived heart, Without a revived heart, without a revived heart, you will easily fall into carnality. You will easily fall into carnality, a worldly way, a worldly lifestyle, a worldly attitude, without revival in your life. You need to have revival. You say, but Brother Mike, I attend church every Sunday, Sunday school, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And when Brother Savatsky's here, or when you've been here, Brother Mike, I attend every service. When, when someone else has been here, Brother Mike, I attend. I don't miss the service. I'm always there. I want to tell you what, my friend, you can be in church every day of the week and still have a heart that's far from God. Amen? You can put on a good front on the outside, but God knows what's on the inside. And you and I both know that many times in our lives we can fool ourselves and we try to fool ourselves and we try to fool everyone else around us but I want you to know something that's when we really need revival without a revived heart without a heart that's going in God's direction without a heart going in his direction you will easily fall into carnality he makes this statement thus saith the Lord curse be the man that trusteth the man see carnality this attitude of without revival it will easily lead you to carnality it will cause you to trust in man and not in God you'll begin to trust what somebody else is saying around you, what somebody else is doing around you, what some other church is doing or what some other ministry is doing, and you won't trust the Lord. You'll begin to trust everybody else and everything else, every book that you read, rather than read the Bible and trust the Word of God. Amen. You need to come back to this book. You need, can I tell you this? You got revival meeting come up. You need revival. Amen. You need revival. I don't care if you say, Brother Mike, I just attended some meetings in another church. You need Revival. I want you to understand that. If I can't get anything else into your head tonight, understand this. You need revival. I need, can I tell you what? 
I need revival. Amen. I'm going back home, uh, Pastor, the 1st of November, that first Sunday. We'll be back home for a, a week for doctor's meetings and stuff. And, and we've got a missions conference going on in our church. And I'm not preaching that Sunday at all. I'm preaching Wednesday night. Amen. I'm not preaching that Sunday at all. We've got two great preachers coming in that Sunday preaching. And I'm looking forward. You know why? Because I need a challenge in my own life. And guess what? I need revival. You need revival. We need revival, amen? Did I say that enough yet? You need revival, hallelujah. I need it, you need it, we all need revival. It will cause you to trust a man. If you don't have it, it will cause you to trust a man and not a God. It will cause you to trust in what someone else can do for you or in what you can do for yourself. That's what, without revival, that's what's going to happen. You begin, you want to trust in what someone else can do for you rather than what what God will do for you. Or you begin to trust in what you can do for yourself rather than what God will do for you. Uh, let me just give you a, let me just give you a, um, uh, just a, a little brief thought on that. Uh, just with a Dr. Ed Rice pastor shot over in Dresden, New York, you know, um, the birthplace of Charles Ingersoll, that great heretic, you know, from the past. And, and I was just over there, dinky little church, dinky little town, not even a light in town, uh, you know, I mean, there's nothing there, brother, you know, and uh, it's something else to, to be there. But I was just over there. Uh, where was I going with that? I have no idea, but it'll come back to me in just a minute, amen. <laughs> I just lost my train of thought, you know. I was just over there with, uh, with him, and, and I was, my, my trailer, um, my trailer lights quit working. I drove from, from Rochester, New York to there and had no, uh, had no, had no brakes on my trailer, no brake lights on my trailer. My lights were gone. I got over there and I finally figured out I blew some fuses, so I replaced them. And every time I put a new fuse in and step on the brakes, it would blow a fuse. So a fellow from the church came over. We're, we're trying to wire this thing up. And Ray, we're, we got to take that spare tire down. That was one of the stupidest things that Ford ever invented was how that tire is mounted up underneath the back of that truck and you got a long handle. You can't even see where it goes in. You got to fight with the thing. And a half hour later, we still don't have that down. And I look, I look at him and I say, you know, brother, says, uh, I think maybe, how come we didn't pray to start with, amen? And so we bowed our head and we prayed and I said, now, is there anybody around here that knows anything about this? He said, the guy up here at this garage up past the corner. And we took it up there and he had it out within about 20 minutes. Uh, that was good, amen. Why didn't we pray to start with? Why didn't we ask for somebody else's help? Because see, we think we can always do it ourselves, ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I'm one of them kind of guys that I always want to do it myself. I don't want somebody else, Caleb, climbing up on my roof. But I'm glad you did it. Thank you so much. Amen. And seal my skylight for me on my trailer out here. And what a blessing that was. But I like to do that. So I'm a hands-on type guy. I like, so it's hard for me sometimes, maybe not you, but it's hard for me sometimes to turn things over to the Lord. Amen. Hard for me sometimes to look to him and seek what he wants because I'm so used to doing it myself. It's hard for me to, man, I hate asking my wife to do anything for me. Well, no, I don't. I want her to fix my food and do my clothes and what, you know. I, but I don't, want her, I don't want her out of my truck reaching into stuff with those pretty hands she has and getting them all greasy. Now, if she knew what she was doing, I'd let her do it all day long. Hallelujah. But she does not know what she's doing. You know how she gets me to do things at home, Pastor Shot? Now, see her. She'll go over to the, we call it the junk drawer. She'll bend over and she'll pick that out and she'll, and she'll pull out a hammer and a screwdriver. She knows as soon as she does that, I'm getting out of my chair, and I'm going to find out what she needs to be done, because I don't want her doing it, amen. 
You say, because she can't do it, Brother Mike? That's right, I'm just saying. No, I'm just kidding. She could do it. She could do it. If I'm not careful, she's going to nail me to the bed before I get up in the morning. <laughs> it will cause you to trust in what someone else can do for you or in what you can do for yourself. It will cause you to believe lies. It will cause you to believe lies. We just had a, a fellow in our church just recently that, that stood in the back of the church pastor shot on, on a on a uh, uh, Sunday morning between Sunday school and the church service, and he was mad. He was mad at me. He was mad at pastor, and I wasn't there. He's mad at our associate pastor. He's mad at all of them. He's standing there screaming at the pastor between Sunday school and church in the back of the church. And he's best friends with two other guys, with three other guys, while the son-in-law of one and this guy and him and another guy in our church, they're best friends, and they go fishing, they go hunting together, they go up to the cabin together, they go fishing together, and they're never there. And pretty soon, two, uh, the son-in-law and the father from the one family leave, and then now he left the church, which, can I be honest with you, it was a good thing, and only one guy stayed, and he said, he said, Pastor, I know that that man is wrong, and he's not right. Praise God he stayed, amen. Praise God that one man stayed, and he's not listening. But they, they were listening to the garbage this man was saying. It's so sad. It's been going on for more than it's been going on for more than just a few months back. It's been going on for a few years. You can tell when the spirit is not right. When when somebody gets around somebody else, don't believe the lies of somebody else. Amen. If you got a question for your pastor, go to your pastor and ask him the question. Amen. Because you want to know why? Because if you don't, you're going to ruin the church. You'll ruin the church. Well, I tell you what, I, I told my pastor, I said, he called me just about every day, Brother Shot, during that time, and was telling me, he, he, I don't know why, because I can't give him any good counsel, I'm just an evangelist, amen. So, I, but I told him, I said, Pastor, I said, you know, I said, maybe it's a good thing I'm not there. I don't know about you, but when somebody's on the attack to my pastor, my hackles get up, and I, I get upset, you know. And, and I ain't hit anybody in a long time, but I'm afraid I've been close to it. Amen. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'd write no booger box. Amen. It's, I tell you, that, 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 that stuff irritates me. You know what that man needed? Revival. Amen. He's coming to church, never missed church, he even taught Sunday school class for a while. Guess what he needed? He needs revival. No matter, no matter what, no matter what he did in the church, and he worked around the church sometimes. He did some things for me on our trailer at one time, gave me some stuff for our trailer one time, and helped me a couple of different times do things around there, brought some stuff, brought me a set of torches one time so I could cut my trailer up. No, brought me a set of torches so I could get some things loose on one of my son's cars one time. And, and uh, he was a great guy when it comes to that stuff, but his heart was far from God. Why? Because he, he was trusting and angry and bitter and mad, and he just fed off of everybody else rather than off the things of God that where he should have been feeding, amen? It'll cause you to believe lies. Someone will say something in anger because they didn't get their way, and you might believe what they had to say. You just very well, if you don't have revival, you're going to believe it. You just believe what they have to say. Things in the world will begin to grow, uh, excuse me, things in the world will begin to draw your attention away from the God, worldly things. If without revival, you're going to begin to draw towards things of the world and, and things that maybe at one time in your life, things that maybe you stood against and said, that's not right to do. Uh, I'm, 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 don't ever say never, amen. <laughs> but you might have said, I'm never going to do that. And now all of a sudden you're drawing towards that. You say, well, that's not so bad. That's not so bad. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm saddened to tell you that there's many independent Baptist churches out there today and some that are not so independent, but have gone, have gone to allowing 
uh, gone to allowing social drinking amongst their members in their church. Ought not to be. Somewhere, pastor, somewhere that pastor changed his mind. When at one time he stood so strong against that, you could not, you could not, uh, you could not shake his mind about it. And now, today, he's going in this direction, and he stepped closer to the things of the world. Hey, what happened to us just being godly people? Amen. What happened to us just wanting to be godly people? What happened to the What happened to the Christian today that just wants to do right and serve God and follow God and be obedient to God, no matter what else happens and no matter what anybody else is doing? He just wants to obey God with his life as a child of God. You might begin feeling uncomfortable. And by the way, you will begin feeling uncomfortable. Without revival, you're going to be feeling uncomfortable around other believers. You will. You begin feeling uncomfortable. Let me tell you a a personal story about this. My wife and I were first married, and um, I got got a little misnomered with the church that we were attending at the time. Uh, Pastor shot in Eagleville, you know, and because of some things that happened, I, and so it was easy for me to get out of church and, and uh, started working uh, uh, 9, 10, 12 hours a day and started going to uh, New Lyme every once in a while. I would show up there. Jenny was going every service, and, and uh, when I would let her, she would go every service. I was, I was mean. I was bad, you know. And I, I'm sitting on the couch one day in the house, and, and all of a sudden I see this car pull in our driveway, Pastor, uh, and, uh, and I see... Uh, I told Jenny, I'm, I'm leaning, I'm, I'm, I look at Jenny, I looked who's getting out, and I told Jenny, I said, honey, I said, listen, I said, to Jenny, I said, there's the preacher and your brother, Mike, her brother Mike. Her brother's name is Mike, her grandfather's name is Mike, her mother's nickname is Mikey, and she married a Mike. She was destined, amen. And I said, there's Mike and the pastor. I said, tell them I don't want to see them. And so she turned around at that sink with them great big brown Italian eyes, Mine don't do that because I've got squinty eyes, amen. <laughs> she turned around to sink with the great big brown eyes and she looks at me and she says, if you don't want to see him, you tell him you don't want to see him. I got up out of that chair. I want to tell you what. And I walked right down to that door and I took that door and I went like this and I opened it up and I said, come on in, have a seat. <laughs> Coward, Amen. <laughs> You know, you, you'll get where you don't want to be around other believers. Even, even the pastor, you, you dread to see the pastor come to the house. Amen. If you get to that point in your life, why? Because we need revival. Without revival, this is what's going to happen. It'll happen to every per- it can happen to every person in this room. You say, it can't happen to me, preacher. It can happen to every person in this room. Amen? It can happen to every person. It's not hard to happen. We need revival. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with me. I had a fellow one-time pastor tell me he made this statement. I know I haven't used a lot of scripture yet. Uh, I, I want to get a point across to you. Are you getting that point yet? You need revival, amen? Because without it, these things will happen. Go with me to 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. Some of you probably already know where I'm going to this. I think this is where I want to be. Beginning in verse uh, 1, somebody told me one time, Pastor, he said, I do not believe that, uh, that there is any such thing as a carnal Christian. And I look at it and said, well, you need to read your Bible, amen. <laughs> a pastor told me that one time. Oh, well, you need to read your Bible, brother, amen. He didn't like that too much. Watch what the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as the spiritual, but as unto, what's the next word? Carnal. You've got to talk to you like someone that's Carnal. 
You know what I was saying? They're carnal. Watch what he says. He says, even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither are ye yet uh, able. For ye are, watch, for ye are yet. Now in one place he says you are, uh, I'm not talking like someone who's carnal. And then here he says, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Of course, he explains to them what their carnality was here at this time, what he's speaking about. For a while, the one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos. And uh, are you not carnal? Because you're fighting over who led you to the Lord. Oh, Paul led me to the Lord. We're better than you. And, you know, Apollos led me to the Lord, and, and he knows more than Paul knows. And he said, that's carnality, this division among you. Ought not to be so. Amen. Well, I want to tell you what, when you need revival, without a revived heart, you'll have division. In your life, you had division in the house of God. Amen. You know what that means? You're carnal. You're carnal. Well, you might not do some of the things that the world does, but boy, you'll be thinking the way that the world thinks. You'll think, you'll think everybody's against you, and you'll be against, and you'll be against everybody else. Amen. And, and you'll look for somebody in the church to agree with you, someone in the church that you can get onto your side. But no, hey, folks, listen to me. If someone comes to you and they want you on their side against somebody else in the church, you back up and say, I'm not going to do that. Amen. And get in the Word of God and, and seek out the Word of God. Don't allow that to happen to you because it's the worst thing in the world that can happen in the house of God. Somebody getting somebody else on their side. And then pretty soon those two go and they want to get somebody else on their side. And then pretty soon those two go and they want to get somebody else on their side. Dr. John Musser, years ago out of Muskegon, Michigan, evangelist, uh, was out in um, North Dakota, I believe it was, south of North Dakota, I think it was North Dakota. And he was doing a revival meeting out there, and, and he told me the story uh, later on about, in fact, he wrote a pamphlet called Revival or Ruin. And he was in this church of just, I don't know how large a church was, he was only going to be out there for a week or two, and he started a Sunday to Wednesday revival meeting, and Sunday morning he got up to preach, and he said, uh, he said Mike, he said, it was just as if a, 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 a thick window went up between me and the people. As soon as I started preaching, it was like, bub, 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 bub. he said, and I tell you, so everything was hitting that, just hitting that, and not going anything past the pulpit. And he said, All, the whole time I'm preaching, I'm thinking, Lot, God, is there something wrong in my heart? Is there something wrong with me? Am I, am I doing something I shouldn't be doing? Am I, have I done something, Lord, that I'm just being stupid to and I don't pick up on God? Is there something that's happening? And, and he says, I prayed all afternoon. And, and he said, uh, ask God if there's something in my life, please reveal it to me. He said, God would not show me anything, Mike. He said, so he said, the next morning, he said, uh, uh, Sunday night I preached and the same thing. He said, Monday morning I went over to the pastor's office and knocked on his door and he said, come in. I went in and sat down and talked to him. He said, preacher, there's a problem in the church. And he said, this is what's happening. And the pastor looks at him and says, I know there is. And he said, okay. And the pastor said, their church had an aisle down the middle and pews on each side. And he said, uh, he said do you see the man that sits on this side from the pulpit and left-hand side of the pulpit when we're looking at you? And he says, yes, I, I, I see him. He sits right down the front pew. He said, do you see the man that sits in the front pew on this side? He says, yep, I see him. He said, this man on this side and this man on this side are brothers, and they don't talk to each other. They don't say one word, and they're in a disagreement at the church. And he said, the people that sit on this side agree with this brother, and the people that sit on this side agree with this brother. So John says, I went home that morning. He said, I prayed my heart out. 
He said, I wrote a message. I wrote a message on forgiveness that day. He said, I got up and as soon as I started preaching, I, that wall went just like that. He says, I'm preaching all of a sudden. He said, I notice as I'm preaching, he says, it's starting to come down. Come down, come down, and come down. He said, I could just tell it, the Spirit of God's starting to move. He said, when I gave the invitation at the end of the service, he said, uh, he said I didn't even say much. He said, it was just a few moments later where this man come to the front into the middle of the church. And this man came to the front in the middle of the church and they hugged and they wept like babies. And pretty soon, he said, the church on both sides was emptying out and people were coming together and asking for forgiveness because of what they had been doing in their lives, destroying the work and the ministry. That's what, listen, that's what without revival, that's what happens in the house of God, amen. We need revival. That meeting went on from a four-day meeting. It went all the way through Saturday and then it went one more full week through Saturday the next week. And he was supposed to be our church to our church in Michigan the following week and, uh, and never made it. He called, called on the phone and he was talking to me. He said, would you tell Pastor Beach that I cannot be there, uh, that revival has broke out? I've got two weeks. He said, I've got another full three or four weeks of meetings out of that meeting out here now because we're starting to see revival break loose in the West. Well, that's a blessing, amen. That's a blessing. We need revival. Without a revived heart, it will stunt your Christian growth. Not just, hey, listen, not just, not just make you carnal, but it's going to stunt your Christian growth. Go back to the text with me. He makes this statement in verse 5 again. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts the man and make the flesh his arm from whose heart departed from the Lord. And he shall be like the heath in the desert. That's a stunted bush or a, a juniper tree that's not growing. It's doesn't not have the, it does not have the nutrients it needs to grow the way it ought to grow because it's in the desert in a dry land and shall not see when good cometh. Won't even see when the good, when, hey, when it rains, they don't even recognize it. Can I tell you what? A, a person who is, needs revival, uh, when the good things come, he doesn't see the good things in his life. And all he's focusing on are all the negative things, all the bad things, all the hard things, all the tough things. He's not recognizing the fact that God has been good to him his whole life since he's been saved. Well, we have a good God. Amen. Can I tell you what? God has never let one time in 40, uh, well, 44 and a half years of salvation... God has never let Mike Patterson down. I've let him down. Amen. But he has never let Mike Patterson down. And I probably said this here before, but let me remind you one more time. The, the, the worst day I've ever had in salvation, if there is such a thing, if there is such a thing as a bad day since I've been saved, the worst day, the worst day is better than the best day I ever had before I was saved. Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you what, my friend, we need revival. It'll stunt your Christian growth if you don't have it. You won't, you won't be interested in your Bible. Yeah. It'll seem dry to you. Amen? It'll seem dry to you. When's the last time you picked up the book and began to read? Amen? Just, just read. When's the last time you spent time in the Word of God? Well, uh, you know, your, your prayer life will feel, uh, your, your prayer life will become less and less important to you. When one day your prayer life was very important to you, and now it's less and less important to you. And so if you don't get a chance to pray, you don't uh, take time later on in the day. You just say, well, I'll get it tomorrow. That's how people do with their Bible reading sometimes. I'll just do it tomorrow. And can I tell you this? Tomorrow never comes. How do you know, Brother Mike? Been there. 
Amen? Been there. It don't come. You, 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 can't, you can't put off. You can't stop it. You got to stay with it. You, you look for excuses to stay home from church. <clears throat> you look for an excuse. It amazes me sometimes, Pastor, in our home church, I'll preach on Sunday nights sometimes, and we'll have a number of people come out who normally don't come out. They, they know me. They've known me for years, and, and, uh, and for 35 years we've been there at the church, and, and they love our ministry. They love us for 34 years, I guess, we've been there now. And they'll come out, and I always tell them, listen, if you came out just to hear me tonight, you came for the wrong reason. Amen? If that's the only reason you came, by the way, if that's why you came here tonight, you came for the wrong reason. You should be here anyway. <laughs> oh, me, you're oh my. Getting quiet now. You should be here anyway. Amen. Hey, did you hear me? You should be here anyway. Amen. That's getting better. You, can, you know, I know this is a Baptist church. You can say amen. And I know this is a Yankee Baptist church. You can say amen. And, and when you sing Revive Us Again, I hope you say amen, not amen. Just saying, amen. You, um, your prayer life's, life's going to become less and less important. You look for excuses to stay from church. The things that were important to you are no longer important to you when it comes to the things of God. No longer important to you. What a sad state our churches have become over the years in the United States of America. You will have, dry, you will have dried up, amen. Look what he says about that heath in the desert again. He said, we'll not, we'll not notice when, the, when good cometh. Why? Because it's in the desert. But, he says, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not inhabited. Now, with a revived heart, let me just look at the opposite of this with you for a moment. With a revived heart, verse 7, of cha- uh, verse, uh, verse 7 here of this text, it blesses a man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Then he says this, he says, For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters. It sounds like Psalm chapter 1, amen. We're going to look at that in a few moments here uh, anyway. But he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. With a revived heart, you will have growth. Listen to me. You will have growth in your Christian life. With a revived heart, you will have growth in your Christian life. Without, hey, listen, without it, you cannot grow as a born-again believer. You'll be stunted. You'll be in one place. You'll stay in one spot. You'll be like that baby Christian. I've known some Christians who've been saved for 20 and 30 years, and they ain't no different today, Pastor uh, uh, Shot, than they were 20 or 30 years ago. The same, the same problems, the same difficult. I'm not talking about financial problems or financial heart. I'm talking about the same problems spiritually they've had all these years. They still have 20 and 30 years later. It seems like they're never getting, they're never getting any victory at all. Amen. And they got all the victory they needed at the cross of Calvary. Now they need deliverance. Amen. Deliverance. And they're not getting it. They're the same as they've always been, 20 or 30 years, and that is so sad. Why? Because they are still like baby Christians. They still are stunted in their Christian growth. So sad, so sad that that happens in people's lives. Your trust and hope, if with a revived heart, your trust and hope will be in the Lord. It won't be in you, it'll be in the Lord. He says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him in Psalm 34, 8. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Put your trust in God. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. I don't know uh, if you've ever uh, 
I've seen very many trees, but well, you go right down here, you see rivers of water, amen, all over Connecticut. I'm just amazed at the, how beautiful Connecticut is. I always thought it was a dorky state before I came out here in 1990, and I come out and see all these hills. It reminds me of West Virginia, Pastor. The only thing you're missing is all the trailers on the hillsides, amen. And then and all the gas lines drooped across the road where you can't get a big rig underneath them, amen, without taking a pole and pushing them up. I'm talking about these big red gas lines because a lot of them have free gas from the gas wells, you know, where they're at. And, uh, and, you know, and then the dirt roads, and in some places even yet, you get past my aunt's house in West Virginia and to go to the neighbor, you got to, well, that one how past, you got to go to go to the second neighbor down, you got to drive down into the creek bed and drive the creek bed to get to their house. You're hoping it ain't flooding that week, amen. And when the sun comes up there, because she lives in a holler, you don't see it. You don't see the sun until about 10 or 10.30 in the morning. And then you don't see the sun after about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That's it, because they live in this little holler place, you know. That's what they call a holler, amen. You might call it a valley here. I ain't seen any of them around here like that. But Connecticut's a beautiful state, amen, and you're blessed to live here. No matter what your governor does, no matter what your state does, be the encouragement to those who are around you and pray for them that God might save them, amen. And let me put it this way, and get over yourself, amen. Get over yourself and pray for those who are in authority. You need to. You see, you'd be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I remember when I was a kid, uh, Pastor Shot Jefferson, we had two dams. We had the East Dam and we had the West Dam. And we would go out to the East Dam uh, was where the Boy Scout cabin was. And we weren't allowed there. They had it all blocked up, but we went there anyway, you know. I remember somebody burned a big hole in the middle of the floor of that Boy Scout cabin one time uh, because they had a fire in there to keep themselves warm. Wasn't, wasn't, I wasn't in on that one, just saying. And, uh, but uh, we had a tree down there that was up by the water, and that tree grew on an angle, great big old oak tree. You couldn't even wrap your arms around that thing. It was so, it was so big. And, and, and half the roots from that tree were down in the water, and the other half were on the land, and that was a huge tree. And every time it rained, all the nutrients would come down there, and the roots of that tree would suck up the nutrients out of that water. A neat tree. That tree had a limb that came out like this, and we had a big rope on it. We'd reach out with a big stick, and we'd pull that great big old rope in there, and we'd grab that rope, and then we would run down the bank until you ran out of room. You didn't let go of the rope. I mean, you might get hurt. And you'd hang on, and then you would just jump as hard as you could, and you'd swing way out, and then you would let go and go into the water. We learned, we learned this, that on that tree... It was like this over that water, and that limb was out here. If you come around and you hung on that rope long enough, you would wrap around that tree. And you had to let go just in time, or you'd rack your knuckles. Or you'd land on the roots if you didn't do it just right. Or you'd smack, the, I saw a few guys smack the tree. But if you come around just right, and you're, man, you're, you're elongated, man. You're out, and you let go, and you'll slingshot out of that water. Neatest thing ever. Amen. That's a tree planted by the rivers of water. How are you? How's your strength? Amen. How's your strength? When the hard times come, how is it for you? You will receive nourishment. Look what he says. For you shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth their roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh. When the hard times come, will not, will not recognize them. If you are in a state of revival, when the difficulties come in your life, it's not, what that means, it's not going to bother you because you know your trust is in the Lord and in Him only. Amen. 
Not in something else. Not in what you can do. Not what you can accomplish. Not what you can do. Not what you can accomplish. Not anything you can do. Or not what anybody else can do around you. Because your trust is in God. Amen. And you recognize he is the one that's going to bring you through all the way. And shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green. When that heat comes, when the hard times come, there's still, there's still going to be a smile on the face, a joy in the heart, a spring in the step, no matter what's going on, amen. No matter what's going on at work or at church or at home or anywhere else, there's still going to be joy in the heart. Well, that's how it ought to be. And shall not be careful in the year of drought. That idea of careful means uh, shall, shall not have to take thought of. Should not worry about it in the year of drought. When things just seem to be drying up around you, you're still going to be in a, a mood where you want to serve God and still follow God. No matter what happens in your life, you're going to want to go forward. And that's what a revived heart is. Watch what he goes on to say here. Even, even in the most difficult times, you'll seek how to be a blessing. Look with me over in the book of Psalms in chapter 1, just briefly. Psalms in chapter 1 in the book of Psalms. The first psalm. He said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is what? In the law of the Lord. Now watch this. Uh, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and bringeth forth his fruit. In his season his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And being in a prosperous, listen, when you're a prospering in the Lord, I'm not talking about financial, I'm talking about spiritual prospering. You're going to try to be a, a blessing to somebody else in the house of God by coming alongside them. How can I pray for you? How can I help you? What can, what can I do uh, to be an encouragement to you? Boy, rather than, uh, we, we, are, we, we are so good at shooting our own wounded, Amen. Amen. When a believer in the house of God is down, we are so good about going over and saying, why don't you just stay down there for a while, buddy? Amen? That's our attitude sometimes. But no, we ought to look to be a blessing. How can we be an encouragement? How can we pray for you? How can we help you? How can we lift you up? What can I do that will encourage you to do right as a child of God? Amen. They might not want what you have to say. They might not care about what you have to say. But that does not negate your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ to be a blessing to those who are around you as a child of God. With revival, you'll want to do that. And then let me go back real quick to the text where he makes this statement. He says, um, again, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth forth her roots and by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful near a drought and neither shall cease from yielding, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You'll still be yielding the fruit. And then I wrote this down in my notes. This is a, a, a last thought here. You will be, Listen, you will be led by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? If you have revival, if your heart is revived, you will be led by the Holy Spirit of God. You, you, you say, Brother Mike, what do you mean? Well, here's what I mean. Listen. When you read your Bible, when you read your Bible, you will, you will know that God is searching your heart. 
We always say, God, I want you to talk to me. No, you listen to me. When you are in a state of revival, you will know that God is searching your heart when you're in his word. And man, it means something to you. And all of a sudden, things that you read and, and, and an attitude that you had, where all of a sudden it jumps off the page at you, and now you're not just reading it, and now you're not just, you're not just talking to somebody else about it. Now you're not just preaching about it. Now you're not just sharing about it. But now you want to apply that to your life, amen, because the Word of God is speaking to you. God's Holy Spirit is moving because you're, uh, a heart of revival will bring that about in your life. And when you are in prayer, you will know that you have God's ear. Amen? You, I mean, there will be no doubt about it. You won't be afraid to go and get on your knees, or you won't be afraid uh, to sit down in your chair, or you won't be afraid to be laying in your bed or on your couch or sitting in your easy chair. You won't be afraid to be sitting there and making petitions to God and asking God to bless and asking God to help someone or asking God to help you or asking God for something specific. You won't be afraid to ask Him. You won't think when you're doing it, you won't be thinking, well, maybe God will answer this. Maybe God won't answer it. God will answer it. It might not be the way you want to hear it, but you're going to be now willing to accept, accept whatever God says. That's what revival does. You'll want what God wants for you. And you, you'll want to be in church. I mean, you're just going to want to be there, amen. And, and you come to church, and no matter who's preaching, you're, you're sitting right there on the edge of your seat, and you can't wait. You can't wait for the next word. You can't wait for the next syllable. You can't wait for the next point. You can't wait for the next sub-point. And if it's past a shot, you can't wait for the next ten sub-points, amen. <laughs> Love you, brother, Amen. You can't wait. You're, you're just you're sitting on the edge of your seat. You're, and you're, here's what you, God. What are you going to do? What are you going to show me today? How are you going to help me now? Amen. You can't wait. And then you will come to church in anticipation of waiting for God to speak to you. You're going to be here for that reason. And then your motivation for being here is going to be pure. It's not. It's not going to be well. I'm here, so look at me. Amen. You're just, you're just coming to get something from God. Our home church, Pastor Swearinga, a few years ago, Pastor Schott tried to start a Sunday morning prayer meeting before the service. And we couldn't get more than one or two guys sometimes to come into the room with us and pray. A lot of times it'd just be him alone. What happened to prayer warriors in our church? Amen. What, well, I was, encouraged, I was encouraged Saturday morning, Pastor, for the men that show up here, and you didn't have breakfast, and you didn't buy donuts. Amen. They came because, you know why? They wanted to be here. In our church, we have to have a breakfast if we want to get men to come out. I'm, I'm not kidding you. And, and the better breakfast we have, the more men that will show up. If we told them we're just going to meet together in prayer, I'm afraid we're only going to have two or three guys that are going to make the, make the door. That's sad. It, isn't that sad? That's sad. We ought to want to spend time with God. We ought to want to be involved in the things of God in the house of God. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and we'll be done. Some of you are probably thinking, man, we're glad for that. 
I don't know. I'm just, uh, just saying here. We'll go back to 2 Corinthians with me in chapter 5. Look at verse uh, 8. It makes a statement. He said, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now, listen to me. Uh, if I if I got a heart of revival, the things I'm going to do, the things in my life as a believer in Jesus Christ, I want them. I want them truly to be accepted by God. And I'm not going. If I really have a heart of revival, I'm not going to want to do something that's not going to be accepted by Him. You say, Brother Mike, have you ever done anything that's not accepted by God? Absolutely, and so haven't you. Don't look at me like that. Amen. <laughs> we all have. Sure, we have. That's called sin. Amen? I don't know about you, but the Bible says, Romans 2, 6, that who will render to every man according to his deeds. I don't want my deeds to be evil. I don't want my deeds to be with, with a heart of unrevival. I want my deeds to be with a heart of revival. Amen? Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Now, I don't know where you're at in your Christian life, and I would not even pretend to know where you're at in your Christian life. But let me ask you this question as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a child of God. Let me ask you this question. Has there been a time uh, in your life when you gave everything over to God? Uh, I think Brother Don Green made this statement to me one time. He says, I got down on my knees one day, Brother Mike, after I read a book by McConkie on the threefold work of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I tore up every dirty thing in my wicked heart. And I threw it down. I said, oh, God, help me to live righteously. Help me to do right. Help me to be obedient. And sometimes if we want a revived heart, that's what's going to take. Getting rid of some stuff in our heart that needs to be confessed to God. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this. How many of you right now, I'm going to ask you to be 100% honest with me. One thing you can say, if I'm in this pulpit, I'm honest with you. Amen. Pastor Shot, I'm honest when I'm up here. And I'm not telling you some story, or I'm telling you the truth, amen. And most of the time I've been there in my own life at one time or another. And maybe tonight you'd be honest with me and say, Mike, would you just pray for me? Because there's something in that message where the Lord spoke to my heart. The Lord spoke to my heart tonight. Would you just pray for me? How about slip your hand up in the air? God bless you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do this. Let's stand to our feet, and I want you to do this. And just stand to your feet. And you raised your hand. You raised your hand. The beginning for this is you stepping out and coming forward and taking care of that between you and the Lord. There's nothing right now that needs to keep you in your seat. And if you can't kneel down up here, you can sit on the front pew, amen. Come on, God bless you. Come on, the Lord spoke to your heart. You step out and come. Give it to the Lord tonight. Come on. You say, Mike, I didn't raise my hand. The Lord spoke to your heart. You need to slip out and you need to come. If the Lord spoke to your heart, you need to slip out and you need to come. Come on. God wants you to have revival in your life. He wants you to have a heart that has been revived, amen. And I'm not saying, this. listen, this is where it begins. You're going to really hear it in about three weeks, a whole week of wonderful preaching, a whole week of wonderful revival meetings with Brother Savatsky. You come and get it started now. Let God do in your heart. And be in prayer this next three weeks that God will do with you and do in this church what he wants to do to accomplish it to his honor and to his glory that he would be lifted up upon high and magnified.
let him do what he wants to do, Pastor.